you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday. It's the 25th of May, hard to believe. Time is slipping away, isn't it? It is. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to our listeners. Indeed. How are things? Great. great. You have a busy week, I think, ahead of you this week. Fantastic week coming up because Mm. Bloom, Bloom in the Park in the Phoenix Park is kicking off next Thursday, the 30th of May, and it runs right through the June bank holiday weekend, right up to the Monday. So five days of gardening. I suppose our mini Chelsea, really, Mm. in Ireland. Uh, 28 gardens this year, 100 food exhibitors. Um, some fantastic gardens there's a, a lovely Victorian garden that's been done by the OPW so it's a walled garden with all, all the old traditional raised beds and uh, you know the vegetables and the fruits in the, in the old Victor- which, which, Victorian which is kind of a lot of the well questions that we get are, are, are geared in that direction uh, yeah. so obviously anyone interested in fruit growing herb growing vegetable growing that garden alone is, is worth going to bloom but there's a lovely garden this year um a great designer from Leitrim, from the west of Ireland. Oh, yeah. Uh, a young designer um, called Leonie Cornelius. Uh, and she won Super Garden last year on, on TV. If oh, you remember right, the TV yes. program, she won that. Yeah, that has been going on lately as well. Yeah, yeah it has. And then she, she exhibited at Bloom last year and won, won a gold best in class and won gold medal for the garden she put in. So she's back again this year. And I thought she, the garden uh, took my eye because it's the, the title of the garden is A Love Letter to the West. Oh, lovely. Right? And it was inspired by when she was coming back from winning her gold yeah. back to Leitrim, back to the Sligo, uh, North Mayo, and the plants that she saw, the digitalis and uh, the silver birch and so on. So her garden is very much themed uh, with that in mind. All the plants... I can thankfully say we have sourced from Horkins, so the plants are coming from the west of Ireland. Uh, a lot of the materials are coming from the west of Ireland. The, the chaps that are putting the garden together with Leone are from the west of Ireland. So it very much so is. So it's very much the west of Ireland. So we hope to have our, our Thikshuk to visit the garden as well over the five <laughs> days. And Excellent. so if anybody is in Bloom, uh, do drop over to, to that garden. It's going to be in one of the main areas and uh, so it's called A Love Letter to the West. It's a very distinctive name, obviously, as well. Yeah, and, and very people will see know the plants. I mean, she's brought a lot of rocks with the moss on it and ivy, and she's done an absolutely superb. Wow. Uh, very large pond, which again, you know, Leitrim, mm-hmm. the ponds, and, and uh, lovely, lovely digitalis, some lupins, all those kind of old cottage garden plants that we'd associate with the west of Ireland are being featured. So it's a garden worth, worth seeing. It's a little bit different. It's not your typical lawn and a nice uh, right, Japanese not, maple okay. type of thing, manicured. <laughs> it's it's more rustic. It's, uh, right. Something different. But I think something would catch your eye as well. So she's a really uh, interesting up, upcoming, I think, garden designer, Leonie Cornelius. Um, and uh, we're going to be there as part. I'm going to be there for the week from next Thursday right okay. through to the Monday on that stand. So if people are coming along, do drop over and have a chat with us. And I'd like you to see that garden. And it's right in the main area. So there are lots of other gardens right around it. Okay. Uh, so that's worth saying. The other good news is I have 10 tickets. Okay. That I squeezed out of Bordbia. Not so bad. For our listeners. How does, so, one, how does one get their hands on that? Well, all you do is you click on to the Garden Centre website, which is www.gardencentre.ie. Go on to that this morning. Right on the front page, you'll see the big bloom banner uh, click on that and the directions for entering the competition um, are, are there on the site so you just simply follow the instructions and we'll pick out 10 winners on Monday morning and give out the tickets and that the tickets entitle you to go in any day of the show so whatever over the weekend or whatever whatever day you want to visit the ticket allows you in it's a complimentary ticket Excellent. Uh, do remember as well the uh, kids are free mm. in bloom 
Okay, so, I didn't you know, realize that. Yeah, That's so great. it's a great family yeah. day out because there's lots for the kids to do. If you're not really interested in gardening, the food alone is worth going for. Food lovers, I mean, there are a hundred exhibitors uh, from the, on the food end. So yeah. I think the food is nearly bigger. It's becoming than as big anyway, It is, yeah. certainly is. And yeah. it's all artisan food. It's all yeah. the Irish, really good Irish producers are there. So you'll have none of the tech It'll be all really be good all quality. Top quality products. Yeah, because yeah. Borbia are driving the whole event, yeah. both on the garden side and on the um, food side. So they're really interested in promoting Irish plants, Irish gardeners, Irish garden designers, and also on the food side, uh, producing the whole artisan food. And we've fantastic producers. It's only when they actually see them all together. That you realise that there's, <laughs> such, a, that there's such, such a volume of them, yeah. And such a breadth of different, uh, uh, you know, of, of different food producers. You know, everything from, I mean, I would enjoy the uh, homemade lemonade last year. It was absolutely fantastic. Okay. And oh, it's just... It's Things that we don't always think of. And sometimes, I suppose, unless unless they're in, your, they're in your own locality, I suppose, we are all fairly familiar with the local producers yes. that are, I think at this stage, it's fair to say, that are in our own localities. But maybe, you know, 20 or 30 miles away, we're not entirely sure no. who's out there and what they're producing. And down on Cork, down yeah. on Wexford. And I suppose the other thing is, you know, you can even see it a little bit in some of the supermarkets now that, you know, some of our local producers are getting their product yeah. in. And I think it's really important for people to know that when they're out doing their shopping, that if they spot their local producer that they know if they purchase that that they are supporting something very local and that that is uh, you know that that has a reciprocal kind of uh, impact on the well, economy and for people in general around and supports those people well they say that every euro spent locally creates five more euros it goes around five times so you buy the yogurt from mm. the local producer that goes to the person that created his uh, marketing or, or container or whatever the, the money is spread in the locality so it's a very very good point and Borbia do a really good job of that they're very particular about they won't let uh, you know anything that's non-Irish really into the area they're very particular about the plants that are growing about the designers they use about the materials that are used at Bloom they want as much as possible sourced within Ireland which is really a credit to them right. so look at that it's a great day out I can recommend it um, it does get very busy and it is in the Phoenix Park for anybody it's, who's never yeah, been there before it's in the Phoenix yeah. Park it's over 70 acres do give yourself a complete day because you'll need a complete yeah. day to see it. It is going to be very busy the kind of Saturday, Sunday and bank holiday Monday. If you can Maybe go, go on the, on the Thursday, Thursday or the Friday, it's, it's, it's better. Or go early in the morning. It starts at 10 o'clock. Full details are on their website or if you go onto my website, gardencentre.ie, it'll give you a direct link into Bloom as well. So we've got 10 tickets to give away to our listeners. Excellent. Um, they will, it will entitle them to go in any day from Thursday through to Monday. And... Um, just click on to www.gardencentre.ie right on the home page you've got the uh, how to enter the competition and, and uh, we'll pick the winner on Monday morning and I'll send them to Tommy to mention and we'll contact all the winners as well so that's something worth and do call into uh, Leone's Garden it sounds um, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I'm sure. I'm not sure we'll get to go myself, but uh, we'll definitely be looking looking forward to seeing yeah, pictures of it anyway. Well, well yeah. worth seeing. I think you know. I think she's up for another goal this year. Well, the very best of luck to her. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So that's Bloom. Okay. Well, we're we're gonna. I suppose we have what lots of questions in. We've lots of questions <laughs> in, and we're going to come to those in seconds. But we also have a slight international dimension oh, to the questions as well this morning, Porik, because we got a lovely email uh, during the week um, from I think it's a lady uh, called Terry um, who held 
Wales from New Zealand and she tunes in every week Fantastic. Uh, and is kind of That's comparing in, yeah in comparing Zealand. well you see they're on the opposite oh, of course. Um, That's season right, 24 hours. exactly yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's, it's there so of they're course. kind of coming into their winter time yeah. now that's rather true. than summertime, although we weren't sure what season we were in for a long time here. <laughs> anyway, Terry, good morning. We hope that you're listening to us. Um, and I suppose she's just comparing the things we're talking about with gardening programmes in her part of the mm. world. Um, so she's got a couple of questions for us. All right. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> now, and well, sorry, for you, <laughs> I really do need to stress that. Sorry, I'm using that royal plural there a little bit uh, too frequently on occasion. Anyway, first of all, Porig, do we grow silver beet in Ireland? What's silver beet? Well, you beet? can do. Silver beet is the common name for Swiss chard. Oh, okay. Which is in the uh, beetroot family. Very easy to grow, uh, very nutritious, and uh, there's a lovely variety called Bright Lights that uh, Thompson and Morgan do. You can still sow it from seed at this time of year, and uh, you really grow the or you grow the Swiss chard for its leaves and for its stems. And that particular variety, Swiss chard, is actually a very attractive variety. It's a lovely, even if you just grew it for its ornamental colour, it's a stunning plant. It's got lovely orange and pink stems and so on. So that's uh, silver beet or Swiss chard listeners can grow it at this time of year and the one I would select is one called Bright Lights because it's so attractive. You'll get a couple of years out of it mm. and then after that it tends to, to tends to get a bit woody and a bit uh, sort of plant that you, you, you need to fr- sow fresh seed every two years to bring it on. But certainly it will last through the winter here and gives you a nice crop of fresh leaves. A bit like rhubarb in the early spring. It right. gives you that kind of crop, crop of foliage and stems and um, that are very nutritious and very high in iron. So it's, quite, it's a bit like a spinachy plant. I yes think, it is. It's it? very very similar yeah. to spinach actually. The leaves are very similar. It would be a little bit more vigorous. Right. And uh, pick it when it's young. Pick the, the leaves and stems when, the, when they're young. You can eat the stems like celery. Ah. Oh. Right, it's that crunchy it's celery celery. type, yeah, where the leaves, you're dead right, are exactly like spinach and they're the same, similar properties. Like properties, spinach. nutritional yeah. value but, and all the rest but that of it. One, that variety of bright lights is a particularly attractive uh, leaf form right. and uh, you know as an ornamental plant it looks really well yeah and well I know spinach type vegetables aren't everybody's favourite so even if you're not into eating it you can always just have it in your garden and look it, it'll look pretty in, yeah. in its own way as well now um, Terry also asks us about something called Daphne yeah what did she ask uh, do we grow Daphne here? We do. There's a lovely variety called, well, there's a many different varieties, but there's a lovely one uh, called Daphne Miserium, which has deep purple flowers, which are highly scented. Okay. And it flowers through the winter months. So in Ireland, it flowers November, December, January. And because it's flowering through the winter, it doesn't really, uh, it takes a long time for it to go out of flower. So it tends to flower late winter, early spring here in Ireland. Daphne Miserium, beautiful variety, very, very... It would remind you of a lilac, that sort of very deep purple flower. And the plant itself is totally frost hardy and will grow to about, in Ireland, about six feet, maybe seven feet. Mm. Beautiful scent though, really, really nice scent. It flowers on naked stems. So the the plant is completely... No no leaves. No leaves and here's this beautiful uh, show of flower colour. So it's a so a plant called Daphne Bazerium, so it can be grown here in Ireland. Right. Yeah, New Zealand and Ireland would have a similar, similar type of climate. Yeah. Not, no, well, High not, rainfall. Not, yeah, not dissimilar. Anyway. Yeah, not dissimilar. They probably get a lot better summers well, than we do, but <laughs> yeah, not dissimilar. Okay, and Terry's also a member of a local bird club, and uh, they've just had a beekeeper come in to speak oh, great. to them. So yeah. um, we were talking about beekeepers we and uh, beekeeping in general uh, recently, with in association with the Westport Beekeepers. Um, so in New Zealand, it's common to attract wild birds into gardens and wonder 
wondering, do we do that here? We very much do, we of do. course. Yeah. And um, she's wondering, perhaps someday we could talk about attracting birds into yeah, the come, garden. Maybe someday. when we come back in the yeah. autumn, is, it's really a great time. Or this time of year, of course, they're nesting. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably a tad late for putting up nesting boxes, but uh, there's lots of birds nesting at the moment. And, um, you know, the Mooney Goes Wild mm. is doing a great programme. Uh, actually, and just to show the front page of the Irish Times today, go, a fabulous uh, picture of a young robin, uh, which is taken in Shankill in Dublin yesterday, but it just it's it's waiting for food. You can, it's just a brilliant photograph. Yeah, yeah. Have a so look at it the, today if you this can. This is the time of year. When you mention the bees, I must say mm. that I must thank the Westport Beekeepers Club. We had a fantastic uh, two-day, Saturday and Sunday, with, with the team from Westport. A huge amount of people came in. Great interest in the bees. Um, the guys did a, a sterling job, really. They were inundated, really, from 11 o'clock since the, once they arrived, right through to Sunday evening. Fantastic. Uh, right through to six, seven o'clock, people were coming, coming in, in, asking about the bees. Tremendous interest. Um, so they were delighted with the two days, but we were d- delighted to have them. It was great. Brilliant. Great, a great buzz in the centre. Okay, so we, we will come back to maybe birds, as you say, in the autumn. Okay. And the final uh, topic that is raised on the email is slugs. Slugs right. are universal, it would appear. <laughs> they sure are. Regardless of uh, <laughs> which hemisphere you're in. And obviously they have difficulty with slugs in New Zealand as well. And they have a natural way of getting rid of them, she tells us. Uh, they bury a tin in the garden and fill it with beer and the slugs go into the tin at night. The Irish slugs would love that, wouldn't they? I have heard of that happening. <laughs> oh, it does yeah, work. People do use that here as well. Oh, it does work. Yeah. Yeah, the, the smell of beer, of any type of lager or beer, stale beer, if you put it into containers, mix it with water, yeah. the slugs are attracted to it and they just drowned. They drown. Okay, they literally that's, that's keep going into the container. Okay, so, yeah, so it's a great natural method. Just bury the tin at ground level. Right. Uh, so, all right. So, they just literally. Right, and they literally come along across the surface. The smell of it attracts, attracts them, them and down they go. It's a great way Must of getting Must try that, actually, because yeah. I like everybody, I have some You've got lots of too. beer knocking around, have you? I <laughs> <laughs> don't have that much yeah, beer yeah. now, yeah. But anyway, we'll we'll save a bottle or two for the slugs. Anyway, listen, Terry, thank you so much for your email and uh, it was lovely to hear from you and hopefully we've uh, addressed some of your questions there and we'll come back to birds in the autumn. We have lots of questions uh, from closer to home as well. Okay. We're going to take a very quick break, for first of all, though, and uh, come to those in just a moment. great range of questions in altogether this morning and we're going to start with uh, one from who uh, from a listener who describes themselves as a stressed out beginner Porek. <laughs> I can I can empathize with that um, this uh, well sh- I tell you you're a better beginner than I am because you've got obviously a few uh, projects on the go in the garden um, first of all two problems and then a good news story at the end so we'll go to the problems first of all beetroot looks very poorly what would you give it to give it a boost well remember that the growth has been very slow on most vegetable plants and you know, I'm not surprised the beetroot will be looking a little bit sad at the mm-hmm. moment but uh, this sort of weather is going to certainly help and a good liquid feed to get yourself um, uh, even a little bit of tomato feed would be ideal a little bit of miracle grow would be fine mm. so a good liquid f- feed now on beetroot will just boost it up and the temperatures are ideal for in general for giving plants liquid feeds uh, with the temperatures we're getting there's going to be lots of new growth right. and that's exactly the time to start feeding plants so General vegetables, if you've got lettuce, beetroot, onions, carrots, whatever, mm. a good liquid feed now. Uh, so a little bit of miracle Grow or um, Westland do a very good one as well, specifically for vegetables. Just mix it with water, apply it onto the, directly onto the foliage. Uh, do it now, maybe again in two weeks' time, and that'll just give it a, the much-needed boost. And particularly for young seedlings, you're better mm. using liquid feeds. Granulated feeds uh, can burn foliage. 
Okay, because so they're quite concentrated, is it? Yeah, so particularly when uh, beetroot or any vegetable is, is coming through a seed, the, uh, naturally the leaves are very tender, they're very soft and very sensitive to any artificial fertiliser. So granulated feeds shouldn't be used as a rule. Fine if before seeding, rake, you know, yeah. put on the granulated feed, rake it in and then sow the seed is perfectly okay because okay. the moisture in the soil will dissolve the granules. But don't be shaking fertiliser on top of foliage, uh, you're better using liquid feeds. They're a lot less, um, they won't damage it, the plants, yeah. and you're, wa- you're washing it on directly onto the foliage and, and uh, onto the ground. Yeah. And generally evening time is better to apply. It's not, the sun isn't that intense mm. at the moment, but d- during the summer months, if you did get very warm weather, watering the plants or putting liquid feeds on can scorch the foliage. So generally better done towards evening. Okay, lovely. Now, also, uh, the beetroot is looking poorly and a blueberry bush planted out in normal soil isn't thriving. Right. So she's wondering, apart from digging it up, uh, what would improve it? Well, remember the blueberries need... It's two years old. Yeah, well, they need acid soil, first of all. So the soil conditions are obviously not right. Yeah. Um, I would be inclined actually to lift it to, to, to it's only two years in the ground. Even now you could you could carefully just take it out of the ground, put it into a large pot with ericaceous compost or put it back into the same planting home but put plenty of ericaceous compost down around with it. So remember that blueberries require that peaty, acidy soil, similar to the, the wild bilberries that grow in the in the bogs. Yes. Um, so they need the same soil conditions. The other thing to feed them with at this time of year is rhododendron food or azalea food. So it's a specific ericaceous feed for all lime-hating plants. So forest flame, for example, it's lovely at the moment, the lovely pink shoots, or rhododendrons are coming into flower at the moment, or azaleas, camellias, and indeed blueberries. They're all in the same uh, family, they like the same soil conditions. So a good feed of a rhododendron fertiliser, it should say it on the pack, rhododendron feed or azalea feed or... uh, Ericaceous feed is the sort of words that would be used on the pack. Uh, there's a very good one you, uh, for, available from Miracle Grow. Um, it's a slow release granulated feed, and uh, that's ideal for it's, it. Will stay it on the pack, rhododendron, camellia, and I think azaleas. And apply that just to the base of the blueberries, and that'll give them a much needed boost. But I would correct the soil. I'd either put it into a large tub, mm. or I'd put down some ericaceous compost with it in the first instance, because blueberries, they're going to outlive ourselves. Right. Right, there's another good fifty or sixty years in that. That's really, yeah. And, and so <laughs> making you, me think. Well, you're, you're, the the point is, you're, it's, yeah. it, it pays you to to actually do the soil correctly right. in the first instance because it's a lifetime plant. Okay. And it thrive for you. Excellent. And the good news story is strawberries here because uh, the same listener, yeah, from the same listener, right, yeah. Good. So stressed out, but not fully stressed. Okay. Uh, good news, a huge return of strawberries. Great. So wondering, do I just water or feed with, or and what do we do that with? Well, and they're in a tunnel. All right. Okay. Well, that's great. And uh, keep the doors and as keep as much ventilation in the uh, in the tunnel as possible because you need the bees going in there pollinating the flowers. Mm. Um, the thing, the trick with with strawberries, and particularly when they're inside in a tunnel or greenhouse, they're not, they're artificially growing stronger than they would out of doors because they've, they've got the warmer temperatures. Um, don't feed them now, because you'll end up with, with buckets of foliage and very little fruit. So. They don't need feeding, but they do need watering. Um, so water about once a week is, is sufficient. And then start feeding them once the fruits start to form. So when the fruit are about maybe an inch wide and they're green in colour, that's the time to start feeding strawberries about once every fortnight with a, t- a high potash feed. So a tomato feed would be ideal. So leave the fee- feeding for another two weeks. About the middle of June, start feeding strawberries. Don't do it beforehand or you'll end up with masses of leaves. Okay. Which hides the fruit right. then. Right. And, and the fruit doesn't, have- yeah. 
So they're actually one of those plants that don't require an awful lot of feeding. Uh, if it was rhubarb or other general fruit, I'd say yes, by all means, mm. feed away, uh, put on a, a granulated feed on them. But strawberries are one of those plants that don't require a lot of feeding. Lovely stuff. Sounds like there's going to be a nice crop, Great there. crop there. Yeah. Okay, now we have a lawn question. So we're going to generally deal with lawns right, for sure uh, the next couple of minutes. At the yeah, uh, so if you have a lawn question this morning, listen up now, please. Because <laughs> I know we go, always get loads and loads of lawn questions. Um, so mm. this kind of covers a fair bit of it, Mark. Right. Somebody okay. would like advice on how to sow a new lawn. They're wondering is the weather okay for sowing the lawn seed at the moment? How do they kill the weeds that are growing there as well at the minute? Okay, well, they're obviously uh, uh, putting in a, a span new lawn. Yes. So the weather conditions are perfect. You could not get better. And the first thing to do is eliminate any weed growth that might be there. So if there's any grass and weeds, use something like uh, Weed Free 360, which can be applied to daylight today. It's calm, it's dry, it's perfect for getting it on. Uh, so apply that onto the existing weeds. It'll take about six or seven days to work and at that stage all the weeds will have died but the soil won't be contaminated by the weed killer so you can till up the soil rake it off put in a preceding lawn fertilizer so you'll get one called parkway which you can put in just before you put on the seed Mm -hmm. so kill the weeds till the soil rake off any stones, firm the soil back down again, that's important. Put in a granulated preceding fertiliser, then put on your lawn seed. And I would use something like green velvet, which is a very good, it's a mixture of four different grasses in the one seed mix. It's very tough, hard wearing, but it's a very fine grass as well in that it's not very vigorous, so it doesn't require a lot of trimming. Get that on in the next 10 days to two weeks and you'll have an excellent lawn by the end of July or the August. It's excellent weather for for reseeding patches, maybe Mm. patches that are damaged because grass will germinate in about seven or eight days, 10 days at this time of year. So it germinates very rapidly uh, with the warm temperature. So great time to do it. Do get rid of the weeds first, prepare the soil well, put in your pre-seeding fertiliser, get on the green velvet seed and rake it in. Uh, within 10 days to two weeks after putting in the seed, you'll see the first signs of grass germinating and you'll cut your, your lawn when the grass is about two inches high. Now, people always panic as well with a new lawn that, because you'll always get a certain amount of weed seeds coming up with the grass seed. But you'll find that when you mow the grass, it'll actually help to eliminate any of those young weeds that are coming through. And that's really all that's necessary. The other, I suppose, key thing, there's a lot of dandelions, daisies and lawns at the moment. The dandelions have gone out of flower now, so it's a good time to get rid of them because the bees have been using them for the last couple of weeks. Um, The bees have no interest in them now because there's no flowers on them. So it's a good time if you have got dandelion, daisies, uh, speedwell, any of those kind of broadleaf weeds in the garden, you can use something like the dandelion and daisy lawn weed killer applied again in this sort of weather will get rid of any broadleaf weeds in the lawn and feeding lots of lawns are yellow hungry uh, you know they've had a tough five months of it so it's very important to feed them now with a good slow release lawn fertiliser something like the Osmo would be fine or um, one of the proprietary lawn fertilisers like Stadium which again feed the lawn slowly without forcing it so once you've got the lawn existing lawns trimmed and tidied it's a good idea to give them some nutrition and, and get the colour back in them. And any of the lawn feeds you'll find will green them without forcing, forcing. the growth. Okay. So that's the kind of general whistle top. 
well, tour. Well, that's more, more than just a whistle-stop <laughs> tour now, I have to say. Um, <clears throat> now, just and staying with things that are feeling a little poorly at the moment. Right. Uh, one, Teresa, good morning to you. You're wondering, is there a liquid solution for plants where uh, leaves are yellow, have, yeah, tar- have become yellow? Yellowing generally in plants is, is a sign that they are hungry. Now, it depends mm-hmm. what... Remember that liquid feeds, I mentioned them for the vegetable plants. Mm. They're, in general, ve- uh, liquid feeds are great for smaller plants like herbs, like vegetables, hanging baskets, tomato plants. So liquid feed is perfectly okay for bedding plants, vegetables, herbs, all of those kind of younger, smaller plants. Mm. Um, It gives them a quick boost. It it gives them a feed for about a two-week period. If it's more established plants like hedges, shrubs, trees, fruit trees, then you're better with a granulated feed. Right. So depending on, on what the listener has. Uh, so fine, uh, a good liquid feed, again, miracle Grow is a very good one. Uh, again, Living or, uh, Westland do a very good one as well for fruit and vegetables. Tomato feed is very good for flowering plants. So if you've got, you know, young pansies or, or young geraniums that you want to bring a bit of colour mm. into, a tomato feed is excellent as a liquid feed. For for. Bigger plants, trees, shrubs, the more hardy stuff, use a granulated feed like Pro 6, the Osmo Pro 6. Again, a great time to put it on. Simply sprinkle it around the base of the plants. Absolutely. I did it. Yes, no, I did. Yeah, I did it last weekend and I can see the difference. Yeah, they're starting. It started. They they were coming on. Yeah, it'll take a week to 10 days. They were struggling and I can see actually there was a couple of yellow ones and I have the laurels as we all know now. Um, And there was a couple of laurels that were a bit on the yellow side and they are starting to respond. And you'll find find the Osmo Pro 6 has a kind of uh, a good bit of organic matter. It yeah, you can over. smell actually. You yeah, can. yeah. So get over the smell. Yeah, well, no, it's not it's, bad. No, 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 but you can. Yeah. yeah, but you can. You can smell it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and but it does work. You'll find within a week to ten days it'll green up. But you'll actually mm. find as well it feeds over a very long period because of that organic matter mm. in it. So granulated feeds for the more hardy. Hardy. And again, it's it's a perfect time to do it. Right. So you're kind of talking about in terms of size as such then. Like if it's a, if they're small young plants. If they're kind the of bedding, liquid. Yeah, the bedding yeah. type plants, the vegetable seeds, um hanging baskets, tomato plants, pepper plants, you know, things that you might have in your greenhouse. Yeah. Liquid feeds are great for yeah. them because they give a quick a much needed boost. But for more established, if you're putting liquid feeds on a mature tree, it'll have no effect really, yeah. to be right. honest. It's not. You're better with a granulate, something that gives more of a kick. And get down to the roots. Exactly, and it feeds okay. for a longer period. Excellent. So good luck, Teresa. Hopefully that your leaves no, will mo- be going green shortly. Yeah, and most liquid feeds can be applied to both the foliage and the root of the plant. And, and many plants will take the liquid feed in through the leaf through the cells in the leaf they'll absorb it into the leaf so you tend to get a quicker more response. rapid response with liquid feeds on, on plants that might be struggling so if you've got plants maybe in pots that type of thing mm. the liquid feeds are great right okay. about every fortnight from now on is the, t- is the time to do it okay lovely now somebody's wondering John good morning uh, you're wondering what's the best mixture mixture to use for spraying potatoes for blight well, the, the probably most effective one, it's, it's too early yet for blight. We're not, we're not in the kind of blight season yet. Generally, the blight sort of conditions, you need high temperatures, so anything over 13, 14 degrees, and you need moisture, high levels of moisture. If you, so if you get lots of misty, uh, wet weather mm. with, with high humidity, then that's we're into the blight season. And that can occur anytime from early June right through till August, September. Probably the best treatment is, is the one that the commercial growers use, which is one called Promic. Promaximal. 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 That's it, Porik. Promaximal. Which is a, a systemic 
preventative measure. So the plant actually takes it in yeah. and it controls from inside the plant. Whereas something like the old traditional uh, sprays like Dithane uh, tend to be, sur- they, they, they prevent from the surface and, and don't penetrate into the leaf. And the problem with that is that as the plant starts to grow, the new growth isn't protected. So looks, look for the Promoximil. It's a systemic potato uh, light preventative but I wouldn't really start using it till about the first week of June from then on start keeping an eye out for it uh, okay. so and you know the, generally the weather the weather forecasters are quite good at giving blight warnings right, and so we issue blight warnings keep, here ourselves keep, keep, keep an ear then to, yeah, to hear yeah, what's and happening don't, you know, don't just be doing it for the, for sake, the sake of doing it. it wait until you hear a blight warning and then run. the other thing you'll find with Promoximil is that if you do get a little bit of blight it mm. tends to reverse the damage Oh, it's good. got that right. uh, curative so property. Ju- so it's not just preventative, Correct. it's curative it as well. It is curative right. as well, as long as the blight hasn't gone too far. Mm. So if, you, if it's in the early stages, it actually dries up the blight spores and stops them from spreading. So it's actually quite a good one. That's, what I suppose, why the commercially it's used. So it's one called Promoximil. Uh, it's a liquid. You mix it in water, you apply it onto the foliage of the potato, and it gives about a two-week, three-week preventative period. Great. Now, uh, one more and we'll take another little break. Um, a listener has a difficulty with ants in their polytunnel. They're wondering, what, what would you What's advise? The difficulty? Well, they have ants in the polytunnel. But they do no harm. You know, in general, they do no harm. I know they can be... <laughs> Sorry, you're being flippant there. <laughs> well, well, they'd like to get rid of the plants, okay. the ants that but are in the polytunnel. remember they do no harm because the, right. the ants, first of all, are carnivorous. Which means they eat these. aphids, okay. they eat pests, they eat beetles, they eat, they eat all around them. Mm. So they're eating something, not just, you know, they, they'll eat the odd plant here and there, but not, they don't do any, they're not, I wouldn't see them as a pest of the garden, to be honest. They're far more beneficial, Friend. and particularly in a greenhouse environment yeah. where you've got lots of aphids, you've got the perfect conditions, and we've got the perfect weather now for green fly, black fly, white fly, all of those more damaging pests. Right. So your ants will actually hoover them up for you. So leave well alone. Leave that well alone. If you, unless you can see some, sometimes they might feed on seedlings or do a small bit of damage. But to be honest, if I had ants in the tunnel, I would leave them alone. Right. They're okay. more beneficial than they are destructive. Um, we had, what did we have last week? There was another question about something last week, which was in the similar, oh, the earwigs. Oh, the earwigs, yeah. Earwigs are kind awesome. of similar, you know, yes, they can be destructive on flowering plants, but they are carnivorous as well and they eat a lot of... Um, so they're actually saving plant. you probably in the long run. They are. So the ants, you know, there is an eco kind of system working there. They're feeding off something in your polytunnel and it's not necessarily your plants taking up a lot of pests. Okay, so if you do remove uh, them, uh, you may find that you have a whole lot of other things oh, you to contend will, of course. with. You will, of course, yeah. And you, I understand if they're yes. annoying you and they're particularly destructive or whatever. I think it's and the notion of ants because, you know, the way they scuttle along the yeah, ground and people don't, absolutely don't you know, do any harm yeah. whatsoever and, and are beneficial. Uh, and they're, they, they're, they're working colonies very similar to bees. Mm. So this time of year, they actually produce quite a lot of young. So they're taking a lot of pests from your garden down in to feed those young. So they're actually doing a lot of beneficial work. So I would be, uh, you know, maybe on the side not to touch them. Okay, unless there's some real huge problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, better, better there than not. That might be the not. answer that was expected. Uh, well, but that's, that's not what I expected anyway, but there, what you see, you live and learn and yeah, that's exactly yeah. what this program is all about. And there are treatments if, you're, if you do need to get rid of them, if you go into your local garden centre, there are particular products for ants, okay, but look at leave right. them alone would be my advice. Okay, on that advice, we're going to take another quick little break, but we still have lots more. 
Okay, uh, gosh, there's a big variety of questions. I want to come to this one. This is a lovely, lovely idea, actually, for people, uh, but also hopefully we'll be able to provide a little bit of advice. Um, A listener has four apple trees and one has been set for each of his grandchildren. Oh, lovely. Great Um, idea. One of them is an L-star. L-star, yeah, lovely variety, nice eating variety. And it produced very small apples. Now, the listener wrapped, I think, the tree, the apple tree in cling film to try and help it along. Uh, he's fed it and looked after it and wondering what else can he do? He doesn't okay. want to lose it. Yeah, I know, and you won't, you won't, you lose. I mean, the main thing with with apple trees, I wouldn't, it doesn't need to be covered and protected with cling right. film. Interest, it, interesting concept. Yeah, no, Trying and to I, can, glass I, I can understand the thinking behind it, but the problem with it is that you then create an artificial climate around that tree and, and it actually gets quite soft and, you know, so no, remove the cling film, rewrap it, take it off. The main thing with apple trees is to make sure that there's no weeds and grass at the base of the trees for in the first instance so keep them nice and clean make mm. sure they're staked securely so there's no wind rock and no movement apple trees have had a tough time really in the last year the small the apples have been small there's been lots of disease on apples last year and that's, that was just down to the wet summer remember mm. it rained from now to December last year yes, so indeed. it was a poor year for apples Um and really, for most for most growth has been very slow this year. So mm-hmm. apples look like they're, you know, they're not as advanced as they would be in other years. So my advice is just to take off the cling film, make sure there's no grass and weeds at the base, make tr- sure the tree, the L-star is nicely uh, well, well staked, feed it, put on the Pro 6 feed now, the granulated feed, and that's really all it's going to need. Just keep it, coax it on during the summer months, reapply the feed maybe again at the end of, of June. But apples are frost hardy, they're tough plants. L-Star is a great variety, it's a really good, good, nice apple to, to grow. And they, I like the idea of the four trees, mm. hopefully they're four different trees because they'll pos- cross-pollinate one another and you you know that's very beneficial as well. So really, no, th- there's no benefit in, in covering it with cling film, it's not going to, you're actually you just you're actually making the, the plants softer right. and if we got cold winds or we got you know it's not really going to benefit the plant apples are not something that you grow in a protected environment in a tunnel or greenhouse or in a protected they're area they're tough and hardy and you know you do need to watch that they're not planted too deeply they are grafted uh, you'll notice on the bottom about a foot from ground level okay. there's a little bump on the plant where the where the L star has been grafted onto a rootstock and you just make sure that that hasn't been planted too close to ground level that uh, the listener planted them at the same level as they were in the pots that they're mm. not gone down too deeply because that can sometimes stun plants as well right. uh, if, if they go down you know three or four inches mm. deeper than they should do but uh, maybe take a picture of the plant if that yeah. was possible and, and email it into us at garden at midwestradio.ie and I'll have a close look at it for you uh, but I take the cling film off give it a feed and uh, just nurse it on you know it's great weather at the moment you're going to get lots of new growth and fruit trees in general okay. and uh, I wouldn't worry too much about it Okay, a lovely idea. To, Isn't it a great to plant, idea? To plant them for grandchildren, yeah. absolutely. Because yeah. think of it, during the summer when the grandchildren come to visit to out and pick your apples. Your own apple, oh, uh, my apple tree. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the trees will be there for yeah. years and years to come. It's a lovely, so we'll, lovely as, idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just while we're on fruiting trees, Borek, a, a, a listener has, um, two years ago, their plum tree um, has produced very little fruit, or in the last two years rather, and they're wondering: Is it going to be the same this year? There's very few flowers on the tree at the moment. Yeah. I'm wondering any ideas. It's a Victoria plum. Yeah, well, Victoria is a great variety. It's probably the best variety to grow. It's self-fertile. Mm. It produces lovely orangey, kind of plummy coloured fruit. Very generally, when it when it starts to fruit, it fruits very heavily. Now, this spring has been just a disaster for both pears and plums because the flower early, and it's just been too cold. 
our friends Fire. the bees weren't right. out yes. and the flowers themselves anyway with all the northerly winds were just burnt off mid sim my own garden with the, the plums they flowered well but just they haven't set fruit right. uh, plums also take a few years to to um, they tend to do a lot of growing for the first five years and then settle down to fruiting so I'm, I'm assuming this is a two or three year old plant yes, yeah. so it's still quite young so as long as the plant is growing healthy there's new leaves coming on it it's growing healthy the flowers and the fruit will come and and Victoria is a very reliable fruiting. If, if, if you were to ask me what plum tree to plant in the garden in Ireland, Victoria is the one to plant. Okay. It's self-fertile, it crops, generally the complaint with it is that it, it crops too, too heavily right. and it breaks the branches with the weight of fruit. Now I know that's, we're a long way away from that yet. <laughs> we but haven't that had will, that problem for a few years. Yeah, that will happen with the tree. Now what you can do to help it to induce it into flowering is to feed it with potash. It's not going to get it to fruit this year, but it, what it does, the potash, as I've said before, does a complete reverse to nitrogen. It slows plants down um, and, and, and uh, plum trees by their nature are very vigorous. So the potash actually helps to slow them down and force them into flowering. So I would put some potash on it around the first week of June, again about the first week of July. Just straight sulphur of potash, you'll buy it in any garden centre, shake it around the base of the plum tree. So that'll slow down the growth. It'll help it to initiate flower buds in the in the winter, which mm-hmm. will come out then in the spring of, of next year, hopefully, or it might take two years of putting the potash down. But it's 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 not um, unusual for plums. It is very unusual for them to fruit as young plants. Okay. So it's it's more common for them to fruit after five years. So but a, the potash a, a will help. Time. The potash will help to kind of bring that year a year or two back. So as long as the plant is healthy, just. Give it the potash feed. Again, keep any grass and weeds away from the base of it. And really, you know, there's nothing else that really has to be done. Do keep an eye out. An odd time they'll get a bit of aphid attack, green fly attack. Right. Um, and you can use one of the um, organic treatments for that if that comes on them. But in general, they are trouble free. And it's a, it's a regular question about plum trees that bought them. Because apples will often come, fruit come in quickly. their second and yeah. third year. Whereas plums are just... They slower. take that a bit longer. Yeah, but okay, they've so done everything right. Victoria's a very good choice. And uh, do remember, it makes a, a relatively big tree. It'll grow anything up to, uh, you know, three, four metres in height. So I'll give it so a good bit of give space. Give it plenty of space. And, and they don't like a lot of pruning. So, uh, and if you are, if you do need to prune them, generally March, early April, before they come into growth, is that don't prune them in the winter time. Right. Prune them in the kind of spring. Okay, so a little so more, pa- a, li- a little more patience, and it, it should, it, it, and potash, and it should potash be. in the summer, yeah. and you do you give it in the summer because they initiate their flower buds by the by this coming autumn. The flower buds are actually there, ready to open in the spring. Excellent. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, good time be... to plant if you're planting. If people are interested in planting yeah. fruit trees, actually, this is the great time of year to plant them in the ground. And soil conditions, there's loads of moisture still in the soil, so it's actually very good planting weather. So, um, so get get busy. Yeah, if if you are, you know, we've covered a lot of fruit there. Mm. So if people are thinking about planting a bit of fruit, you buy potted containers at this time of year, and, and they'll actually do very well. They'll settle in very well. Excellent. And uh, speaking of people being busy, um, somebody has sent in a text to say that they were on one of the lucky people who got to go on a Horkins four week gardening course just completed. Oh, yeah. It was brilliant. Good, good. And a huge thank you to yourself, <laughs> Mick, and all the team. Oh, that's lovely yeah. to hear. We'll put all the good advice into action now. We had, yeah, we had, we had a great crowd in for the last four weeks, Wednesday night. So they've just come finished now. So, yeah, put all that good advice yeah. into 
the, 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 the neighbours will be expecting stunning gardens now. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> You're putting yourself under pressure. But anyway, we're, so, we're, we're really pleased to hear that you enjoyed it. Um, another listener, Park, is wondering, what are your favourite plants oh, for window boxes? For window boxes, well. Yeah. Have you got favourite plants? I presume you do. <laughs> or does it change all the time? Well, I think it seems to change, yeah. Right, it yeah. seems to change with like me. Mu- yeah, music, I'm a bit like that with music. Yeah, whenever well, every week you're looking at something different, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's particularly yeah, nice. Yeah, I really like uh, that. Window yeah. boxes, what's good? What, what I like are things like, uh, I like the small flowering plants, to be honest, things like million bells, petunia million bells, which as the name suggests, small, uh, many different colours available at this time of year, um, but small, neat little flowers that come out over the, the edge of the, the window box. Verbena is lovely. There's trailing varieties of verbenas. They're yes. available in all different colours. Mm. White and blue bacopa, which again is a small flowering uh, trailing plant, which is really, really good in, in uh, window boxes. Geraniums, I don't think you'll beat if you get a, a good summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'd be some of, you know, I probably, I'm less uh, in favour of the really big flowering petunia, the ordinary petunias and so on. I think the smaller flowering plants, and they tend to do better if we do get a wet summer, mm-hmm. the flowers aren't um, destroyed as easily. So bacopas, verbenas, um the uh, what else did I mention? The million bells would be would be lovely. Any of those really, you know. And really, with window boxes and hanging baskets, the trick really is to put plenty of plants in. Let them compete with one another for space, and they tend to flower an awful lot better. Gosh. And and speaking of hanging baskets and window boxes, at Bloom this year, there's a special. Uh, area for hanging baskets and window boxes. So if you want some really good ideas, go up along next Thursday yeah. and have a look at the hanging bas- basket collection because it's lovely to see the plants there. Yes, and it's still not you still plenty of time for doing up your own hanging basket okay. window boxes. So okay. you get I'd some say, inspiration. I'd say, I'd say you'll be very inspired if you, you will. if you go to Bloom. You'll be uh, jealous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably. You'll go. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, I don't know. Where yeah. will I start? Yeah. Um, but anyway, no. It's lovely to get uh, new ideas, and I suppose all gardeners are kind of looking for new ideas from time to time. Um, a listener tells us. It's a lovely morning in Foxford Good. today. Good okay. to hear. Um, and could we ask how you get rid of the awful red growth on their house and shed walls? It seems to get worse year after year. Is yeah, that's a, algae. Red is there algae. Any, any cure for it? There is. There's a treatment. Um, it's a. It's called red and green algae killer. Uh, it's it's made by Moscow, and you simply just spray it onto the onto the the walls, and it'll kill. It's an algae that basically grows on on. Uh, on on uh, untreated walls, so it's easy to get rid of. One application should eradicate it. A dry day like today would be ideal to get it on. So it's made by Moscow. It's from memory. It's called red and green algae killer, specifically for masonry walls, mm. and uh, just apply it with your spray machine, and that'll get rid of get algae. Rid of it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it does keep oh, it stains, getting worse and worse. It actually, does. Yeah. yeah, it stains the one, particularly yeah. as uh, after the wet winter we've yeah. had. It it tends to really favour that damp weather. Yeah. So yeah, okay. quite a problem. Um, a listener has a lot of gaps in their shrub bed. Some plants died over the winter. They're wondering what could they plant to fill up the gaps now and they'd like something possibly with flowers, colourful oh, yeah. and that would be easy enough to. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> easy to grow flowering plants. Well, it's a, look, it's a super time to plant in, in the garden. I'd be thinking if you want colour for the summer, things like, um, actually when I was driving up today, I, mm-hmm. I noticed in the garden some lovely red hot pokers, the nymphophia. Oh, right. Red hot pokers, beautiful plant, easy to grow. It'll grow about three feet in diameter, about three feet high. Nice, big, uh, bright, uh, showy, poker-like flowers, you know, very like, similar to, I suppose, a lupin-type flower, but smaller. Very stunning, easy plant, and it flowers every year. Delphiniums will be really good. Um, lavender will be coming into flower very shortly. They'll be great fillers, great, great colour all summer long. The marguerites, which are daisy-like flowers, will give you a lot of colour uh, from now right through to the end of the summer. Digitalis, which were 
going to be putting in the in the garden in uh, in bloom. They're lovely at the moment, giving a great show of colour. Pieris Katsuru is would be a nice colourful shrub which has lovely red foliage rather than flowers, and it's it's very spectacular at the moment. So look at it, it's a good time to put uh, flowering plants in, in the garden. So for me, lavenders, lupins, foxgloves, um, the red hot pokers would be good. Any of those summer flowering plants, long summer flowering plants would be a good choice this time of year and a great time to put them in. Great. Um, one or two questions regarding Lalandii. Uh, Lalandii hedge, can somebody feed it and what would they feed it with? It's looking dull and they want to thicken it out. Yeah, we'll use the, the Osmo Pro 6 if it's if it's discoloured. Uh, that'll feed it. Remember that keep the, the fertiliser well out from the main stem. Yeah. You'd want it two or three feet back from the main stem and feed the hedge both front and back. So a handful or a handful and a half of the Osmo Pro 6 around the base of the Lalandii will, will green it up. Give yeah, it a bit of colour. The listener actually tells us now that they see people putting mushroom compost at the base of the hedge. They're wondering, is this good for it or does it just put up the weeds? Well, it, the mushroom compost won't be rich enough to actually, f- it's, it's no harm. It'll act as a mulch and it, and it's used a lot to help to keep suppressed weeds at the base of Lelandia. But Lelandia is a vigorous conifer. It needs a gra- something with a bit of, of punch. So you need to, a granulated, good granulated feed is really what they need. Now, if, like I said last week, I think we had similar type question, but mm. with Lelandia, you know, for healthy hedges, leave them alone. They don't need feeding. You know, Lelandia is vigorous enough and you don't need to be making it more vigorous. But where it's discoloured or, or struggling, by all means, put on. And, and plants in general, if you want to give them a bit of feed, because it's been a tough winter, mm. something like the, the tree and shrub uh, Osmo Pro 6 would be ideal. Just okay. shake that around the base of it and great Perfect. weather for putting it on. Perfect. Uh, somebody has pepper seeds. They're wondering how would you dry them out before planting and what's the best time to sow? Well, peppers... Are they like... Are we talking about like bell peppers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can sow, you the sow, seeds, the sow seeds them from seed. Inside. Yeah, yeah, you can sow them from seed. No, it's... it's is it a tad late? It probably, if you've got a greenhouse or tunnel, it's not. You could still grow them. Ideally, there really need to be plants at this sort of uh, stage. So peppers, uh, like tomatoes, I would sow the seed January, February, early March sort of period. Because at this time of year, they're nearly coming up to flowering. And they do need quite a long growing season for the peppers to form. Right. Uh, having said that, as a novelty, why not? Sow the seed indoors in a tray, in a pot, uh, in ordinary garden compost. Uh, cover with cling film. They'll germinate in about a 10 to two-week period on a windowsill and you can grow them on on a windowsill indoors if you wish as an ornamental plant mm. um, so but it, but the ideally peppers if you want to grow them for a good crop February indoor sowing them indoors from seed right. in January February they need an early start, start right. yeah because okay. plants in the garden centres now are you know they're nearly they're a foot high well right. you know they're certainly eight seven eight inches high and some have even flower and, and, and fruit starting to form on them so very good and they lead along you can imagine you know from a small pepper yes you know by the time it gets to a full for good size yeah yeah, yeah. it takes it does okay. take quite a good summer. Uh, they're generally not ready till about August September from normal sowing so. But look at it as a novelty. Why not give it a yeah. give it a go? Uh, like pro- tomato seed is the same. Well, I suppose you know. I don't. You know. You don't think about it. You no, just, you don't. Yeah, yeah. But it's true, of course. Sure they? Tomato seed is exactly the same. You know. You do. The, the, that's where they're going from originally. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, Lorraine asks us, um, she said, we've previously spoken about a weed killer suitable for keeping grass down at the base. And could this be used uh, between raised beds in a vegetable garden, finding it difficult to keep grass short and slugs climbing up grass to vegetables? 
Well, the, the treatment we used before was for the grass was the fuselage, yeah. uh, which is normally used, say, if you've got grass under hedges or up through shrubs or more woody plants. I, I would be, if where it's vegetables, I'd be inclined not to use it, to be honest, because the vegetables, it's not that they're going to damage the vegetables, mm. because, to be honest, fuselage is used in, commercially in the potato crops. So if the grass is very bad and, and, and you, you can't manage it by just hoeing it out or, or weeding it out, then certainly a small application of the fuselage will kill the grass without damaging your vegetable plants or your potatoes or whatever whatever you're growing. Um, so it is, it, fuselage just kills grass. Right. It, it won't damage trees or shrubs or vegetables, vegetables. in general, general, yeah. But if it's a you know a small, relatively small area and you can manage by hoeing it or lifting the weeds out, that's probably a better Preferable. way to do it, yeah. Okay, lovely. That's all we have time for. Right. You've got the busy week. Uh, bloom yeah, to bloom. look for. Yeah, so remember, Bloom, the tickets are available. Go on to the Garden Centre website, gardencentre.ie. It's right on the homepage there. Um, it's from Thursday right through to Monday. So if you don't win a ticket, do mm. do pop up. It's a great day out. I'd highly advise it. And as long as the weather is, because most of it is, is, well, most of it is out it's of outdoor, doors. There yeah. is quite a bit uh, covered, but most of it is out of doors. But if we get the weather, it's going to be great. And yeah. do pop along to that. Uh, to Leone. We're Leone's Leone's garden. Garden. Love, le- yeah. lo- lo- love letter to, to the, the west. west. And... and uh, She's a, a fantastic designer, very enthusiastic person and um, some great ideas, some okay. really novel ideas. And at what point are the, I suppose, the, the, the medals, uh, are the winners they're, announced? They're, from a... memory, they're actually judged on the Wednesday before. Okay. Uh, before Bloom. So so she will know. She will, um, she, and the public will know, will the they? The public will know. And actually, I'm, I'm in, actually filming a piece for TV3 on the Wednesday. Very so good. that's going to be broadcast on the Friday and I'm definitely going to show her garden. Okay. Well, we'll all look forward. We'll see it on the <laughs> yeah. TV then. We'll see it on so the TV on Friday we'll morning. We'll tune in for that yeah. on Friday morning. Okay, listen, Porek, thank you very much. The very thank best you. of luck with Bloom and we will be talking I'll see you here next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yeah, busy, 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 busy week. <laughs> okay, lovely stuff. Thanks indeed, Porek. And indeed to uh, all of you as well for listening and for the great range of questions as Porek says we will be back in action again next Saturday. I'll be here from seven onwards and uh, Porek will be joining us in the studio from nine. Until then, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Uh, Michael Neary is up after the news which is on the way with Fiona McGarry this morning. For me, for the moment, good morning to you.